0: Tonight we're continuing on our, our journey through Advent, our Advent adventure, as we uh, move towards celebrating Christ's first coming and as we, um, as we prepare ourselves for his second coming uh, as well. And we're looking at the spiritual disciplines as we, uh, as we live in those in-between times. Uh, we're in between His first coming and His second coming. We're living in in-between times. And we're looking at the spiritual disciplines. And before I forget, let me just uh, show you the book. I got the latest copy. I had waved around a fairly ancient one uh, that I had I'd read and had for a while. So the new one is hot off the press. Um, I'm going to put this in the church library so you can have a look at the Richard Foster celebration of discipline, and I'll leave that in the church library, and you can have a look at that, and you might find that it's kind of the classic text on what we're looking at through Advent. Um, So tonight we're, uh, yeah, we're looking at the the spiritual disciplines and um, how we can meet with Jesus and how we can uh, become more like Him. Uh, as we say, in in this in-between time. So, we're going to turn uh, to God's Word, and we're going to read uh, part of the the Christmas story, and we're looking there at at Luke chapter 2, verses 36 to 40, and it's on page 1028 of the church Bible, if you want to to open a church Bible, 1028. And um, we're picking up the story, so it's after Jesus has been born, and Mary uh, and Joseph have brought Jesus to the temple. Uh, and they're bringing them there to present them to the Lord uh, and to, uh, to, to just carry out some purification rites for, for Mary that were, uh, that were um, prescribed for that, that particular time uh, in, in, in history uh, to come and do. So they'd come along to the temple, uh, and they've already met a few folks at the temple, uh, and then we, we read of this meeting with Anna the prophet. So we're reading from verse 36 of Luke chapter 2. Um, we're reading uh, to verse 40. When Joseph and Mary had, had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And we finish our reading out there. So as I said, tonight we're, uh, we're looking uh, at the spiritual disciplines. We're looking at the spiritual discipline of retreat. Retreat. Now, I don't know what springs to your mind when you hear the word retreat, you're kind of like, we don't do retreat round here. This is the land of no surrender. For goodness sake, Gary, what's this retreat stuff about? So that's the first thing that we need to, we need to really sort of clarify. What do we mean by the word retreat? Because I was talking to somebody earlier in the week and said, well, you know, what, what's this retreat thing? What's that about? So for those of us who maybe aren't quite, uh, you know, aren't familiar with this sort of language, in the spiritual sense, the, the word retreat in a spiritual sense is not a throwing in of the towel. It's not giving in, and it's not giving up. It's quite the opposite, actually. To take a time of retreat is to to take a time for refueling and retuning as our Father leads us on to victory. That's what this is about. You see, Paul writes, Thanks be to God who always, always leads us out in triumphal procession. We are part of the greatest triumphal procession in history, and God is leading us. And as we sang earlier, Who can stop the Lord Almighty? I was one this morning, a line that stuck with me. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? He leads us out in triumphal procession. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So you see, the church empowered by the Spirit and led out by the risen Christ is constantly advancing, constantly advancing in victory. So retreat is not giving up or giving in. Let me use two pictures for you, two vehicles, maybe perhaps to illustrate my point. So we have a picture of a tank. Now there's a joke about a certain nation which has a tank with 15 gears. One forward and 14 reverse. Because it always seemed to be in reverse. That's not the sort of retreat that we're talking about here, okay? That's not what we're talking about tonight. Let me use a picture, another picture, of a racing car. Formula One racing car. Some of you all know who's this. Who's this car? Who's the world champion at the minute, Formula One? Lewis Hamilton, Mercedes, yes, I'm hearing. So, uh, so if you're into that kind of thing, yeah. But this is, a, this is a racing car, Formula One racing car, and it's having a pit stop. It's having a pit stop to refuel and retune so that it can go on and win the race. World champion. But just like the racing car, you see, as we go through our day, as we go through our week, we can start to run a little, a little low on spiritual fuel, can't we? we can start to get out of tune a little bit with the Spirit of God. And so one of the ways that we can be refueled and retuned to go on to victory is by taking a spiritual pit stop, a retreat to refocus on our Heavenly Father afresh. And we see Anna doing that in our reading. Anna is there in our reading, as I said, we're reading from Luke's Gospel, and Mary and Joseph brought the newborn Christ to the temple in Jerusalem to fulfill the law of the Lord. And as they came to present Jesus to, to God in the temple, they came to the temple because at that time it was believed that that was where the presence of God dwelt most completely, most fully, most powerfully. And when Mary and Joseph arrive at the temple, there is the prophet Anna. And she is worshiping night and day, it tells us, fasting and praying. You see, she's actually practicing four of the spiritual disciplines. She is worshiping, she is fasting, she is praying, and she is on retreat. She's on retreat, you see, she, and, and she's meeting with Jesus. She's meeting with Jesus. You see, Anna has stepped aside from the hustle and the bustle of everyday life, and she's focused on God's presence. And focused on him, she is being refueled and retuned for the task ahead. And in her case, the task was of speaking. It tells us of speaking about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Oh, Anna's Anna's not giving up or giving in or chucking a towel in. She's refueling. She's retuning. She's on retreat because she knows she has a task still to complete. Speaking about the child, speaking about Jesus, telling others about him. That's what a retreat is, taking time to step out of the busyness, the distractions of the world, to focus our presence on the God who loves us. And in so doing, we are refueled and retuned for the task ahead. And you see, we see Jesus himself practicing this discipline. Look, chapter 5, it tells us, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And of course, a retreat can be for various lengths of time. We see Jesus having what we might call a a daily quiet time. We see him attending synagogues weekly on the Sabbath. We see him spending 40 days in the wilderness. And we'll return to looking at how we can follow Jesus' model in daily, weekly, and occasional longer retreats. But, but so often we find, don't we, that we lead such a hectic pace of life, and at this time of the year, it just kind of gathers pace, doesn't it? There's all the usual stuff to do, then there's all the Christmas stuff to do, and we just find ourselves leading a hectic pace of life. And we find that throughout the year, whatever time of year it is, it doesn't really seem to be a, you know? And so, in the midst of a hectic life, the spiritual, through the spiritual discipline of retreat, God invites us to Stop. He invites us to stop, and he invites us firstly to find stillness, stillness in a busy world. He says simply, be still and know that I am God. And you see, as evangelicals, we have a major problem with this, don't we? As evangelicals, we are activists. My goodness, we have this Protestant work ethic. We are encouraged to have this evangelical zeal. It's no small task making disciples of every nation, and we just, we just want to get disciple-making done. Might ring a bell, if, you know, but we just want, that's us, evangelicals. We want to get the evangelism done, get the disciple-making done. Get on with it. We're activists, and I guess that maybe in other strands of Christianity, they're, they're, they perhaps have stronger contemplative traditions. And they are good because they are biblical. One of the things that we need to be careful of, I I guess, as Bible-believing Christians, is labeling certain things as either Protestant or Catholic. Because if it's in the Bible, then if there's a concept that's in the Bible, then it's biblical, and we should be thinking about it. And you see, in our efforts sometimes to separate out that which is is not biblical from, from other traditions, we must be careful not to throw out the contemplative baby with the bathwater. The more meditative tradition, you see, it allows us to reintroduce into our lives perhaps a more biblical balance. A healthier cycle. Action and meditation. Action and meditation. For there is indeed a time for all things. A time for activity and a time for contemplation. A time to do and a time time simply to be. A time to be. Because as someone once said, we are not... We are not human doings. We are human beings. And the contemplative tradition allows us to remember, too, our true identity, not just as human beings, but as children deeply loved by our Father. Deeply loved children of God. You see, in Psalm 131, King David, in the stillness, he says, and this little gem for us, in the stillness, King David says, I have calmed and quietened myself. I am like a winged child with its mother. Like a winged child, I am content. You see, taking a time of retreat allows us to be, to be, to be simply, to be children of God, to be in His presence, to be still, and to be content there. And then you see this outer stillness of the body leads to the inner stillness of the soul. Simply bathing in God's presence, contented, comforted, but maybe, yes, also challenged by the Father who loves us. Through retreat, God also invites us, secondly, to silence. Silence in a noisy world. In in 1 Kings 19, the Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. A still small voice. The Prophet Habakkuk he writes this: he says, The Lord, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. But, folks, we live in a noisy world, don't we? We're constantly bombarded with noise, with people, traffic, machinery, radio, TV, phones, dinging and bleeping and ringing, bleeping things sometimes. We live in a noisy world. There's noise all around us for most of the time. Retreat can help us to get away from the noise. Close the door, turn off the phone, be alone with God. In the silence, you see, silence can help us get closer, go deeper, to hear the gentle whisper, to be still, and to hear the still small voice of our Father. Do You know, through retreat, God invites us to stillness, to silence, and thirdly, also to solitude. Solitude in a crowded world, and it's wonderful to be part of a church family locally and globally, and I love that, and I love to regularly be with my church family and church community and for that fellowship that Gareth talked about and taught us on this morning. I love fellowship, and it's, it's God's idea, and it's vital for each and every one of us. But we also do, don't we need some time of solitude, some time to be alone with God? Mark writes in his gospel, he writes, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You see, the early Christians knew the value of solitude, and often they sought it out. Those early saints in the, in the eastern church, they sought out solitude in the desert. They went out of the cities. They went out into the desert. They set up their, their little prayer cells, and they would retreat out to there and, and enjoy solitude to be alone with God. Or the early Celtic Christians here in these islands, they, they also sought out the isolated places. For instance, we think of the monks building little prayer cells on Skellig Michael out in the middle of the Atlantic, miles off the coast of the west coast of Ireland, seeking solitude, finding God. These elements of stillness and silence and solitude, they, they can we can incorporate them into our daily quiet times, our weekly Sabbaths and and occasional no longer retreats. You see, when, when we bring ourselves to these times, there, there's a little exercise that the author Dallas Willard suggests uh, th- that is helpful, and um, he, he suggests that in a book that we've just finished reading as a staff team, that help us to focus on God, help us to have communion with Him. He mentions in the book, first of all, he says, when we come to our, our time of retreat, first of all, that we read, read. We read a passage of Scripture that reminds us that God is indeed with us, and it doesn't need to be a long reading. Of course, it, it could be a chapter, perhaps, of Psalm 46, for instance, which starts with, The Lord is my refuge and my strength and ever-present help. Or it could just be a couple of words. Or, in fact, at this time of the year, I'm thinking it could be just one word. Matthew 1, and verse 23. One word. Emmanuel. Emmanuel what a wonderful truth. God with us, summed up in one word. God is with us, always with us, by His Holy Spirit and His living Word. And as we settle into focusing on His presence, we might simply use that that one word to remind ourselves of this wonderful truth, Emmanuel. Perhaps we might also use a psalm of adoration, such as, as Psalm 145, "'Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise.'" Or, or a psalm, the psalm of a sinner coming before a holy God, Psalm 51. Create in me a pure heart, O God. We read them, we reflect. Paul writes this to his apprentice Timothy. He writes, reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. We want to take time to reflect on our, on our recent experiences and to learn from them perhaps to journal so that we can, we can look back as we go forward and see how God is at work in our lives. We might use a prayer of examine. <clears throat> Excuse me. We sometimes do this at our monthly quiet hour here at Orangefield, and we'll be gathering again this Wednesday for Hour. But the prayer of examine is, is a prayer of review. It's a short reflection, looking back over the day, recalling the events, taking note of our feelings. Where was God at work in our lives? In our day looking at those times the Holy Spirit has been drawing us close, revealing the Father to us. To be aware of those times and places through which He met with us in our day or in the period of time that we're reflecting on. You see, at that very first Christmas time, as God was at work in the heart and life of His servant Mary, it tells us in Luke's Gospel that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them, pondered them in her heart. You see, reflecting on God's Word and God's revelation to us helps us to move. It helps it to move from our heads to our hearts. Reflecting on God's Word and His revelation to us helps it to move from our heads to our hearts. It helps it it not just to inform us, but to transform us. To transform us from the inside out. Then thirdly, we might take time to respond to respond. This is when we spend time in, in prayer or, or in praise, silently spoken or sung, thanking God for who He is, for what He's been saying to us, for His many different spiritual and material blessings that He gives us. And we spend time too giving, bringing our prayers of intercession before the Lord. Paul encouraged the church at Philippi. He said, in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God respond. And then fourthly, in our quiet times, we can simply rest, rest. We simply rest in God's presence. As one author puts it, we are present to the presence, present to the presence. We sit at His feet like Mary, or we enjoy His embrace like the writer of the Song of Songs, who rejoiced in the knowledge that I am my beloved's and He is mine. I am my beloved's and he is mine. So that is what we might do during our times of retreat. We find a place, a, a, a time of stillness in a busy world, of silence in a noisy world, of solitude in a crowded world. And as we do so, we focus on Emmanuel. And in his presence, we can read, reflect, respond, and rest. So how might we establish this discipline of of retreat, this habit of stopping. I want to suggest that we establish a rhythm of life, and I want to offer that there is no better place to start than the model that Jesus himself gives us in Scripture. And you know what I'm thinking? If he needed to do these things, then probably so do I. Probably so do we. So firstly, we see a daily retreat, a a daily quiet time, very early in the morning, it tells us in Mark's Gospel, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And when, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said he taught us to pray for our daily bread. So this would be indicative of a, of a daily prayer time, a daily quiet time. And so in order to make this daily retreat, we need to find a place where, where we can have some degree of stillness, of silence, of solitude. And I know it's quite a challenge in this day and age and in our lives. But our quiet place might be a room at home in our own homes, or it might be an open church building if there's one nearby. Your quiet place will will be wherever you can enjoy some stillness, silence, and solitude. Uh, But we all need such a place for our daily quiet times. Also then we see Jesus modeling for us a weekly retreat, a Sabbath the Sabbath. It tells us on the Sabbath day, Jesus went into the synagogue, as was his custom. That's what he did. And the Sabbath, of course, lends itself, doesn't it, to, to retreat because that's exactly really what it's, what it's for, what it's about. This, the Sabbath was established by God as a day for stopping, for stopping from our weekly worldly activities and for focusing again on him. The seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. And as the psalmist King David writes, and I say King David was probably a busy enough man, King David writes, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Let us go up to the house of the Lord. And why did they go up to the house of the Lord? Yes, to to step aside out of their busy day, out of their busy week, to, 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 to spend time in the presence of God. Focusing on Him, waiting on Him, just like the prophet Anna in our reading, being refueled and retuned for the days ahead. You see, God does make himself known to us as we meet with him individually and privately. Of course, he does just like with Moses at the burning bush. But he also makes himself known to us when we meet corporately and publicly, just like with the Israelites and God in the cloud and fiery pillar as he led them as a people. So we have our daily quiet time, we have our weekly Sabbath. And thirdly, we also might have an occasional longer retreat or sabbatical. For instance, we see in Mark's gospel that Jesus, that the Spirit sent Jesus out into the wilderness and He was in the wilderness for 40 days. Now, this was a more prolonged period of retreat from the normal activities of the day. It, it was not a time that was free from temptation, but it was a time of strengthening and a time of victory. And I guess with the 40 days of Lent and, and a season of Advent as church, we... We focus a bit more on the presence of God and on preparation for encounter with Him. And it can be particularly helpful to take a, perhaps a, a retreat for a few days during one of these seasons. But, of course, it's a few days of retreat can be beneficially taken anytime, time, we make the time available. And, of course, we can go on retreat either on our own or with a group, and it can be either self-led or it can be led by a spiritual director. And I have to say that I've been getting more and more into this, this idea of retreat over the past 20 years or so as a Christian. And I hope that the Bible verses that we've looked at, from those, we can see that this idea is, is for anyone and for everyone who is a follower of Jesus. So let me encourage you to explore the idea of retreat further. So personally, alongside obvious daily quiet time and collective worship on Sundays, I've explored other different types of retreats. And if you'd like to find out, uh, you can do a little bit of research for yourself and find out some of these things for yourself. But briefly, let me give you a few suggestions that you might like to check out for yourself. So for instance, our last uh, staff team retreat was at Bell's Lonan, just outside Clinchy, which is run by our very own Roger and Ruth McConnell. And you can speak to them if you'd like to find out more about that. Uh, And we have some details on those in the, the church resource area as well. And there's also there's Cleopas, and I know that Ross Sterling was here uh, a few years ago and spoke about Cleopas. And they also run local uh, retreats and quiet days. So for something a little bit longer, maybe for something a wee bit more adventurous, two or three days in the Benedictine monastery at Ross Traver, how would that grab you? A couple of years ago, I booked myself in there for three days. I didn't realise it was they had a rule of silence, and I got towed off by the head monk for speaking in the refectory. It's but folks, it's not easy. I'm quite gregarious. And, you know, try having a meal with 12 other people and you're not allowed to say hello. <laughs> so be prepared. But to be fair, the monastery at, at Ross Traver is, is a great place for a retreat. And so too is the y a youth with a mission based down, also down Ross in Ross Traver. there. In both these places, you can find a place of quietness, of stillness. There's community prayer times that you can join in with. And then, of course, there's just the wonderful natural beauty Carlingford Lock and the Mourne Mountains to enjoy as well. And then maybe a little further afield, so somewhere for a few days, well, there's the island of Iona. It's a very special place. A little island off an island off the coast of Scotland, which is itself part of an island. It's a pretty isolated place out there. took me two days to even get there. It's pretty isolated. But I was there in September. And on Iona, you can really get away from it all. There you're surrounded by the awesome beauty of God's creation. There you're walking in the footsteps of the early saints. St. Saint Columba left, left Northern Ireland. Probably wasn't called Northern Ireland in those days, but 563 we're talking. He left Northern Ireland in 563, went to Iona, set, planted a church, and from there they evangelized half of Scotland. And you're walking in the footsteps of those guys on Iona. And also you can meet with God there through the current hospitality and worship and fellowship of the several different retreat centers that are on the island. so that 's just a few suggestions for starters. Lots of other places are obviously available, and a little bit of research would hopefully have you pointing in the right direction. But if you 're not used with the idea of retreat though, if you're going on a retreat, it is a little bit of an adventure. It is a little bit of an adventure so. We will want to go with an open mind, open to whatever it is that God wants to do in us and through us as we focus on Him. So, just as I finish, these places are good places to consider for a retreat. But, you know, we really don't need to go very far at all to go on retreat, to have an encounter with God. Let us bring our thoughts back to Orangefield, back to this room, back to now, back to Emmanuel. God with us, with us right here and with us right now, speaking to us from His Word, moving amongst us by His Spirit, longing to meet with us in a special way through the bread and wine as we come to His table to gather here tonight. So let us continue to be open and responsive to Him as He continues to move amongst us here in this place right now, tonight. Shall we pray together for a moment? Let's pray. Father, we take a moment to be still in your presence, to know that you are God, to listen and to respond to your still, small voice. Father, would you help us to use the rest of our time here this evening to continue to responding to you as your Spirit leads us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.